0: If you would open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, we will be there in just a moment. I'll add my welcome to everyone, appreciate our guests being here as well, appreciate you coming our way on this first day of the week as we come together to worship our Lord. It is our desire and our aim to worship God the way he has instructed us to do so in the New Testament. That is what we aim to do here at Cortez. Here in 1 Samuel 15, down to verse 33, it says, And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord, before the Lord in Gilgal. That's a terrible end to the story. I want to go back and talk about the story a little bit, but this idea of Hacking someone into pieces ought to make an impression on your mind. So what was it that led to this terrible scene? What was it that led to this terrible end to this man Agag? Well, a lot of us are familiar with the story, but here in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, verse 1, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, Over Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him, but put to death both men and women, child and infant, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkey. Saul was commanded to go and to utterly destroy. Amalekites and we see not only does we uh, see the, the term utterly destroy but the Lord goes on and says man and woman child and infant ox and sheep camel and donkey nothing was to be left standing Saul was to utterly destroy this race of people we also know that Saul did not obey this command he did not fully carry out the command of God And Samuel was sent by the Lord to rebuke him. And that's what he did. He came to him and said, why did you not destroy all these things that you were instructed to do? You remember the story. Saul says, I did. You remember that great line that Samuel says, and what's, what's this bleeding I hear in my ears? What's this bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ears? Saul tried to excuse his disobedience by blaming the people. Look down to verse twenty. It says, Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord, and went on the mission in which the Lord sent me, and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Well, notice verse 21. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. He tried to blame it on the people, even though he, he admits right there that he left Agag, who was the king of the Amalekites. He left him alive when he was told to totally destroy them. So Samuel, Samuel rebuked Saul, and in no uncertain terms, look in verse 22, and Samuel said, "Has the Lord much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold to better uh, behold, to obey is better." Than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of lambs the fat of rams for rebellion is the sin of divination and insubordination is an inquiry and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king the pronouncement against Saul was swift and harsh because he did not obey the word of the Lord Saul's kingship was going to be taken from him And we know that it was going to be given to another, that being David. Then Samuel himself did what Saul did not accomplish. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and he executed him. There are many lessons that we can draw out of this story from the Bible. One of them that stands out and should stand out to you is that we serve an awesome God, A God that is faithful to his promises. God reminds Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 25 what Amalek did to them when they were fleeing Egypt and tells them after they reached the promised land and after a time of rest that they were to destroy Amalek, to to wipe him out from the face of the earth. The reading there from Deuteronomy 25, beginning verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you along the way. When you came out of Egypt, how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall come about when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land in which your Lord God gives you an inheritance to possess, that you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. You must not forget. So here's God fulfilling the promise that he made. He tells Saul to go and blot out Amalek. I swore that my children that I would do it, and I'm going to carry it out. Sadly, we see Saul falling down on that promise. Another lesson that we can learn, as as demonstrated by Saul's actions and and the judgment against him, is that the Lord demands complete obedience. He's satisfied with nothing less. God punished Saul severely for his disobedience. Saul was told to utterly destroy the Amalekites, but he did not. Christians today are commanded to put to death certain things in our lives, to utterly destroy them, and nothing short of complete obedience will be accepted by our God. So let's consider some of those things that we are told to utterly destroy. Some of those things that we are told to hack to pieces, following along in our example here from 1 Samuel. And let's use a list we find in Colossians 3 to start our discussion. So if you turn with me over there to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Jack read for us the first four verses. We're going to pick up here in verse 5. It says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image who created him. There are things in this world as Christians that we have to utterly destroy, the things in our lives. These are the agags that we have to hack to pieces. We see a list of them here in Colossians 3. First on that list is immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. These are things related to how we conduct ourselves in the sexual relationship. This would include fornication, adultery, homosexuality. It is clear that these actions have no place in the life of a Christian. First Corinthians six verse nine it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God. These kinds of desires are evil, and they must be put to death. They must be hacked to pieces. God has ordained the sexual relationship between, to be between the husband and the wife. Hebrews 13, verse 4, says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. It's clear from Scripture we understand. The sexual relationship is to be inside the marriage, and everything else is an abomination to God. Next on the list from Colossians 3, greed, which amounts to idolatry. The version you might be reading from might say covetousness. but The idea here, either greed or covetousness, look how it's related to idolatry, equated with idolatry. Idolatry can be defined as excessive admiration or devotion to any person, place, or thing. Excessive admiration. Whenever we place something between ourselves and God, admiring and devoting our time to it, we're not putting him first. There's something that's coming between us and our God. Paul here writing says that's idolatry. These things become our idols, whether it's our career, our family even. Whatever stands between us and our God is idolatry. God hates idolatry. He has since the very beginning. He wants us to be devoted to him and to spend our time and our devotion and our admiration to him and in service to him. He hates idolatry. This is something that needs to be hacked to pieces in the life of a Christian. Third group on the list, anger, wrath, malice, slander, And abusive speech from your mouth. We talked about this this morning in our our James class. About slander and abuses that come from our mouth. These are things that we direct towards others. Specifically, how we talk. 1 Peter 4 and verse 11 says, Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Let Let that verse direct your speech if you're going to speak speak as the utterances of God this verse should guide us in everything that comes out of our mouth (laughs) Ephesians 5 and verse 4 says and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not not fitting these things aren't fitting a Christian the words that he or she uses as a Christian what does it say at the end of that verse? But rather giving of thanks. If we want to speak, speak as the utterances of God and give him thanks. That should direct our minds and our tongues, the words that come out of our mouth. Let's remember what our Lord said about these words that are coming out of our mouth, the language that we use. He says in Matthew 15, 11, it's not what enters the mouth that defiles the man, but what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. Finally on this list is lying. The first part of verse 9 says, Do not lie to one another. How seriously does God take lying? He hates it. And I don't think we take lying seriously enough. Consider how God punishes liars. Consider what he has in store for liars. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, it says, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters, and who? All liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As much as God hates idolatry, he hates liars too. And he's reserved for them the punishment. The same as these other people, mor- murderers, sorcerers, idolaters. <laughs> it says their place will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Lying includes stretching the truth, holding back some of the truth, and those little white lies. Brethren, those are all lies. We need to take it seriously about our speech. It's no wonder that lying is so pervasive. It's no wondering that we can dismiss the little white lie here and there. It's pervasive in our society. How many politicians do you believe these days? How much of what you read on the internet do you believe? I hope those numbers are small. It's pervasive in our society. Christians must maintain the highest standards when it comes to telling the truth and standing for the truth. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. In John 8, verse 32. It should be our desire as Christians to stand for the truth and to seek it out and to not be grouped among those people who are headed for that lake of fire and brimstone. Notice in the second part of verse 9, back here in Colossians 3, it says, Since you have laid aside the old self With its evil practices. Verse 10 and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. As we consider these things in our lives that we need to hack to pieces, we need to understand that it's really a matter of utterly destroying these old bodies of sin. And putting on the new self in Christ. Go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We had that list there in Colossians of the things, the practices that we need to, to put to death. And it's good to look at those. But also consider, brethren, about putting this old man of sin, this old woman of sin, to death putting to death the old body of sin. First, we must understand that sin enslaves us. John 8 and verse 34, Jesus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Sin is a master. It takes control of us. It dictates what we do and how we do it. But thanks be to God that he has given us a way to break the bonds of slavery. You're here in Romans 6, look in verse 12 beginning. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. He's given us a way to break out of the bonds of slavery. And he's done that through obedience, our obedience to God, our obedience to the gospel through baptism. Look back in verse 3 of Romans 6. It says, Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, surely we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Isn't that a wonderful thing that our God has done for us? Jesus says, sin can become master over you. You become a slave to sin. But what has God given us? This free, wonderful gift that he has given us ability to be buried in baptism with our Lord, and raised up to walk in newness of life, putting to death that old man of sin. Our bodies of sin are buried in the waters of baptism. We put on death, I'm sorry, we put to death the old body of sin. And the new body we inhabit is to be dedicated to God. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Once we die in these waters and come up out of them to walk in newness of life, we walk in newness of life and we serve God. Our lives are to be about self-denial. Luke 9, verse 23 says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself daily and pick up his cross and follow me. A life of a Christian is about denying self and following after our Lord Jesus Christ. John 12, verse 25, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. These bodies that we inhabit, These lives that we lead are temporary. The soul is eternal. Where will your soul spend eternity? It's about self-denial. It's about looking out for those who are around us. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. In Romans 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Our lives are about denying self and looking after those around us. Saul, we know about Saul, not Saul, Paul. Saul, the first king of Israel, he was a flawed man, many faults about him, but he was the first king of Israel, and God commanded him to utterly destroy the Amalekites, to fulfill the promise that, that God had made to the children of Israel, and he was to utterly destroy them and put to death every man and woman, every bit of livestock. Saul failed to do it. He failed to carry out the command that God had given him. He relied on his own thoughts, his own think-sos in doing God's will. And we see the danger in that. The kingdom was taken away from him because of that. Samuel rebuked him. And then he put Agag to death, hacking him to pieces. Utterly destroying. We see in that hacking to pieces this whole idea of utterly destroying. Putting a man to that kind of terrible death shows how things ought to be utterly destroyed. So the question comes down to us Are you willing to lose the kingdom that you stand to inherit? Are you willing to lose the kingdom of God by not obeying what God has told us to do? He has told us to put to death the old things in our lives. To put to death that old man of sin. Bury him in these waters of baptism. Immorality, greed, anger, slander, lying. Those are the things that make up these earthly bodies. They're to be utterly destroyed. Put to death. Not only these things, but the body where these things live, our old bodies of sin. Sin has the ability to be master over us, to enslave us, but thanks to God, through Jesus Christ, we have the ability to be dead to sin, but alive to God. But this is only possible through the waters of baptism. It is only possible by surrendering, by hearing the gospel message and believing it, and realizing that you need to make a change in your life. You need to repent. You need to change. Upon doing that, you have to understand Jesus Christ is the Son of God. To understand that Jesus Christ is came to this world to fulfill God's plan for redeeming man upon confessing that you are then a candidate to be baptized you are then ready to put to death that old body of sin to be raised to walk in newness of life if you have that need it can be taken care of the baptismal waters are ready If it was a child of God, you have been touched by this lesson and understanding the connection here about the kingdom. Saul's kingdom was going to be taken away from him because he didn't obey what God said. The kingdom of God can be taken away from you if you don't obey what God says. As a child of God, you have realized that you are in danger of losing that kingdom and need the prayers of this congregation. We can help you with that as well. What needs you might have, you can express to us and let us be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.